Welcome to the Unstoppable Podcast, the official podcast of Unstoppable Domains. Join us each week to hear from leading experts in the exciting new fields of blockchain, cryptocurrency, and the decentralized web, where we talk about the future of the internet and what that means for humans like us. Not only will this podcast help you sound super smart around your friends, but you'll also learn how you can become a pioneer in the space and help lead the charge towards a more decentralized web. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Unstoppable Podcast. I'm Diana Chen, your host, and I'm here today with my co-host, Matthew Gold, co-founder and CEO of Unstoppable Domains, and our guest, Cooper Turley. Cooper is a crypto strategist at Audius, as well as a writer at The Defiant, uh, Camila Russo's company, who we had on last episode, and DeFi Rate. Welcome, Cooper. So happy to have you here. Thank you, guys. It's a pleasure to be here. So just to kick us off, Cooper, I'm just curious, how did you get into crypto in the first place? Yeah, so I found crypto back in 2016. I was doing a music business degree at that point, and one of my professors was talking about smart contracts and the ability to expedite royalty payments. You know, as someone who kind of saw this right off the bat, it made a lot of sense, and I just kind of went deep down the rabbit hole, you know, learning about Ethereum, reading the Bitcoin white paper, and then finding my way to where I am today. Let's, uh, well, let's give that professor a shout out because that's actually pretty forward looking. So, uh, who's the professor? Let's put him on blast for for being awesome and educating his students. Yeah, his name's uh, Andy Rock Guerrero. He teaches at CU Denver. This is a close friend of mine and someone that I'm very thankful for having uh, as a professor and as a friend. All right, great job, Andy. <laughs> yeah, shout out to Andy. So other than reading the Bitcoin white paper, how else did you go about learning more about the space, you know, outside of maybe just in a music context and getting more educated on crypto in general and blockchain technology and things like that? Yeah, I think um, just reading literally every white paper that I could find. I must have read about like 200 at the time. You know, granted, they were not the best projects at the end of the day, but I thought it was fascinating to see the way that these things were structured, the way that they were being talked about, you know, how people were positioning their team and the way that they built these things. And so, you know, it was just a very deep research experience where I went out of my way to go to the depths of all these ICO sites, you know, and all these YouTube channels and whatnot, and just trying to kind of educate myself as much as possible. Got it. And now in 2021, there's even more resources, even more YouTubers out there that are putting out great content. I, th I think YouTube and Twitter are probably the top two places where people like to go and learn about this space. So definitely lots to check out there. Do you have any YouTube influencers or Twitter accounts you want to call out that you just see good content from all the time? Yeah. So you mentioned the Defiant. I think what they're doing is absolutely fantastic. Robin, who's leading the video content there. It's the best video content in crypto, in my opinion. The Bankless podcast is fantastic. Highly recommend people check that out. A couple of my friends on Twitter, you know, Ryan Watkins, who works for Masari, he's always putting out really amazing content. And then on the NFT side, you know, DCL Blogger and his coverage of the space is fantastic. So there's honestly so many amazing resources these days. And I think I've been most impressed by the quality of the content, because when I started in 2017, it was a financial first mindset. It was like, this project is going to moon and you should buy it for X, Y, and Z reasons. Whereas today we can actually get very analytical about, you know, researching and analyzing the ways and the reasons why crypto is doing well today. Love it. And so for lis listeners who are new to the space, how would you explain crypto to them just in a sentence or two? Yeah, I would say it's about the ownership economy. You know, the platforms that we use every day, we capture no value for them. And with crypto, it's reworking that so that if you contribute value to a platform, you're able to earn that in the form of a token. I think that's kind of like underpins everything that happens in crypto, in my opinion. And it's just kind of about a way to make that accessible so that everyone can participate. I'm just curious, what are some of your favorite use cases for crypto that we've seen, that we're seeing in the world already today? 
Yeah, I might be biased here, but I think what we're doing at Audius is really powerful. You know, coming from a music industry where 99% of the value is captured by a few small actors that, you know, established deals 10 years ago, being able to have a platform that's truly owned and operated by its users is an incredibly powerful premise and something that uh, I'm working very actively on today. That's awesome. Let's dive into Audius. But uh, right before we do that, I'm just curious too, what do you see as some of the, the biggest barriers or obstacles preventing widespread adoption of crypto? I think user experience is number one. You know, the fact that most people have to download a MetaMask wallet to access the cool things in crypto is definitely not too too good. You know, gas fees obviously right now are an obvious answer, but more generally just applications that make sense or are attractive to people. I think that a lot of the platforms doing well today are very niche focused and people are using them because they're a crypto platform. I'm looking forward to a time when, you know, valuable products and platforms just exist and they happen to have crypto under the hood rather than people going out of their way to learn about them because they're a crypto platform. For sure. And that's what Audius is. So let's dive into that. Tell people what Audius is. What, what does it do? Why was it formed, created in the first place? I'll let you talk about that. Yeah. So Audius is a decentralized streaming protocol. We wanted to build a platform where artists could better connect with their fans. And the mission that our founders set off on was, you know, today in the world of music, you don't have a lot of data on the fans that you have. You're not able to really connect or interact with them directly. And so with Audius, we wanted to build a really modular platform where content can be shared amongst a, a global audience of node, node operators, and it can be you know, freely exchanged among artists and peers in a way that feels very natural. The analogy I like to use here is 2013 SoundCloud era. This was my favorite time in music. There was this vibrant remix culture. There were all of these artists making a career on the back of these amazing collaborations. But the second that monetization was turned on by SoundCloud and ads were introduced, that whole thing changed. You know, A lot of that collaboration went away. It became a numbers game. And um, at Audius, what we want to do is bring back that spirit of the collaborative community and allow these artists to really build deep relationships with their fans, you know, especially in a digital world when they need it now more than ever. Yeah, that's one of my favorite things about the decentralized web and the decentralized world too, is putting more power into the hands of content creators. And I love the use case that you guys are doing at Audius with musicians. So who's all using the platform right now? Is this something that like all musicians and artists know about already? Or is it really just a, a small percentage of crypto forward and forward thinking artists that are using Audius? I think it's right in the middle. You know, I'm actually really extremely proud of the artists that we brought on board. I want to give a shout out to Clayton and Shine, our artist relations team. They've been absolutely killing it the past couple of years. Some names you might recognize, Skrillex, Flux Pavilion. This last week, Mark Cuban joined our platform. You know, uh, a lot of base acts like San Holo, Excision. You know, basically any big electronic artist you've ever heard of is probably on Audius at this point. And now our challenge for this year is stepping outside of that genre, you know, going more into rap. So people like Russ are using our, our platform and then even like, Niche genres like lo-fi and bedroom pop are kind of where we're starting to see a lot of traction on the uh, more grassroots side of things. Yeah, and if you don't mind sharing, what are some of the plans that you guys have in store for getting you know more of the mainstream artists onto your platform and spreading the word? Because that is a, a huge challenge that all of us in the crypto space face is how do we bring on the masses and quote unquote normal people into this space? So how, what are some of your plans or strategies for making this appealing to the masses? Yeah, it's a great question. I had an epiphany this week that with what's happening with NFTs and social tokens, you know, Audius is so well positioned to capture all of this future of technology, you know, movements that are happening. And so what I would say to any artist that's listening, you know, if you want to stay up to date on anything cool happening in crypto and beyond, like Audius is the place to do that. And I can say very confidently that if there's something worth paying attention to in crypto that makes sense for artists, you know, we're going to be the first platform to integrate that. So you actually said something earlier that I was interested in getting a little deeper on, which is 
artists don't really have a connection to their fans anymore, at least on the older platforms. And you were thinking about, you know, data or like fan data so that artists could better connect with them. So could you give me a couple examples of how you guys are thinking about that and how that, you know, how's that going to change the game for artists? Yeah. So right now, if I want to target my Instagram followers, say I have a million Instagram followers, I have to pay a shit ton of money to run an ad campaign to reach like 25% of them. You know, with audience, what we want to create is um, channels where you can interact with fans very directly. You don't have to pay to access the breadth of your audience and you can create these more bespoke communities, you know, almost akin to a discord channel. So you're able to actually have like genuine relationships with them. You know, if you go on a Spotify today, there's no way to tell who is listening to your music. You might have some very obscure data about like what region of the world they're located in or how old they are. But being able to do anything on a more personal level is just non-existent. And so I think it's that like genuine one-on-one relationship, getting to know your fans on a very personal level. You know, we saw this work really well with Facebook groups where artists would go out of their way and create these like deep fan communities. But the unfortunate part is that that's completely removed from the music experience. You know, it's a Facebook group, people are sharing content, but in my opinion, those two things should be one and the same. You know, a music platform should support a community and allow them to sort of grow and interact with one another. And so at Audius, we want to build an ecosystem where, you know, you don't have to go to a different platform to be able to talk about how much you love an artist or to connect with them in the first place. And how does crypto help the artist connect with their consumer uh, more directly, I guess? is So how, how, how does the crypto fit in? I understand making a platform for artists to get there. I'm just trying to connect the dots. Yeah, I think token permission access is really powerful. You know, it's something I've been working on a lot in the social token space, but being able to sort of gate who's able to access these groups to be able to filter like who has skin in the game, you know, whether it's an artist with their own social token or whether it's using the audio platform token, you know, you can sort of customize these experiences where someone must have followed you on the platform. They must have listened to X amount of tracks or something like that. And being able to establish these criteria where in order to be a member of this community, you need to have done some value added service. You know, I think the quality of those groups goes way up and it's just kind of a nice way to ensure that the quality of that group is as, as high as possible. Yeah. And so how does an artist create their own token <laughs> or, you know, for if they wanted to do so, I guess maybe we should start back with token permission access. It's a big word for a lot of people probably listening. And and what what you're just saying is an artist on the platform can say, hey, if you want to have access to my new track or some any any type of action, like you want to see this special content then you have to have this, I guess, ERC-20 token or NFT token. You have to have this crypto token so that you can get to that content. So how, so how does an artist go about creating their own token with Audius? You know, what does that mean? You know, and then take me through, like, what type of token is it? Is it one of one? Is it one of 100? Yeah, I kind of want to understand a little bit more about that token model for the artist. Yeah, lots to unpack there. What I'd say is that you don't need to have a token to do this. You know, you can gate content behind any arbitrary set of actions. Like I said, a follow on the platform, the amount of times you've listened to a song. You know, for those artists that are willing to go deeper, we're starting to see artists like REC experiment with this, where he has a currency for his community. And within that, he can be really modular about how that's used. I'll be very honest that today you cannot create a token through Audius. And I actually don't think you'll ever be able to do that. Audius acts as sort of an aggregator and a distributor so that if you're going out and playing around with NFTs, with social tokens, and you're a little bit further down the rabbit hole, you know, we want to allow Audius and our fan base to kind of be the, the way that you surface those experiments and allow people to discover your content. So excited to dive into both of those topics. I'll kind of pause there and maybe you can choose which uh, path to go down next. I'm, I'm actually uncertain uh, which way I want to go there. So how about you tell me, how do you see the market developing? Like what are artists doing when they come on to Audius? You know, how does that how does that set them apart from you know SoundCloud, which is when I think of platforms for artists to create music, 
you know, SoundCloud immediately comes to mind. So what's the differentiator between Audius and SoundCloud? And and then where does the crypto plug into Audius to make it that give that ownership that you just can't get in the traditional internet? Yeah, well, I think at its core, the fact that Audius is a decentralized protocol that is owned through a token is inherently different from SoundCloud, which is a company that's owned by a few shareholders, right? And so like that number one premise is like the fun fundamental difference between the two platforms. I'd say as an artist coming onto the platform, being able to earn tokens for uploading content, for utilizing our features like remix contests, making playlists, et cetera, you know, you're actually able to earn value without having to go out of your way to like exploit it or use like these campaigns that we see on SoundCloud today where artists are paying like thousands of dollars to get plays and then earning like a small royalty back, you know, like at its core, earning tokens for value is really interesting. You know, more granularly from there, I found that people are using Audius as kind of like a home base to jump off into other places in crypto. So you, know, you can upload an exclusive track to Audius and then make, make an NFT that links back to that song and being able to do cool things where you're tying together, you know, your music experience with some of these more interesting crypto experiments like NFTs is kind of the foundation that allows Audius to be a nice uh, jumping off point. So that makes sense. Uh, and I'll call the point that makes the sense to me the most, maybe it's the easiest to understand, is the remixing to earn tokens, right? Because like, if I'm on SoundCloud, like, yeah, someone could give me a like, like a thumbs up or something, or, you know, maybe they bookmark my song, but it would be much cooler if I could get paid for making something cool. <laughs> uh, and so I mean, definitely. So I guess that would, if I was to differentiate the two, I'd just be like, yeah, you can make music over here, and you'll get nothing for it, but you could make music on this new crypto platform, and you could be uh, paid directly. You mentioned one other thing there at the end, which I'm interested in because it's a buzzword right now, which is, you know, you create NFTs that connect to songs. So uh, if you don't mind explaining that for people at home, because that's kind of wild. Like we've talked about NFTs as artwork a lot. You know, we talk about NFTs as uh, domain names. Then I guess generally we talk about NFTs as can be any intangible property, like at a very theoretical level the other week. We had you know an attorney on here. We were chatting about it that way. But now we're talking about NFTs for songs. So, tell me what that means. Like if I create an NFT that connects to a song, yeah, just that mind blown. So like, what does that mean? And then how do I get one? <laughs> yeah. So two different things to touch on here. Number one, the metadata of an NFT is really modular. So in the case of Audius, being able to use content that's hosted on the Audius protocol to, to plug into that NFT in the first place can kind of like underpin the foundational content there. What I think is more cool here is a lot of these NFT now allow you to embed like a secret link. So like only people who hold that NFT can access whatever this secret piece of content is. And using something like Audius, you can program in, you know, um, a private track link or something that, you know, requires you to hold this NFT to access it. And so again, going back to token permission access, I think that this is where NFTs are interesting. You know, you can basically release a private remix that you would never share to the world, but you embed that secret link into your NFT. And the only way to actually access it is to have bought or owned that NFT in the first place. Yeah. And so on the technical side, when you're saying secret link, I'm assuming you're just meaning in the ERC 721 NFT token standard in the field where it's supposed to point to an image or something. It points to an API endpoint that would require the user to sign a message in order to access that content. Is that, am I going too deep on there? Does that sound about right? How that's working? I think you are going deep, but that is how it works, right? And I think what's more important here is that um, for a lot of people, like just unlocking a secret link to something's really cool. But what that looks like today is you just sending them a Dropbox file or you just sending them a link. But I think this flow of like you buy something and you get a link directly as, as a result of purchasing that without there being an interaction from, you know, the creator, I don't have to go out of my way and email you the link or something like that. 
like that flow being really natural and autonomous, I think is kind of the the killer feature here that we haven't really seen before. No, that that was really good. I, I'm sorry, I just got a little nerdy there because I was like, oh, how are they doing that? And that's actually a really cool hack that you guys plugged into that that protocol standard there to work with audio files. And I'm going to think about that more because what uh, Koopa just said there for people who are tuning in at home is there's actually a way now with these tokens where not only can they represent a specific thing somewhere that, you know, maybe you can display like a piece of art or something, but they using them as more like access tokens. So you could get the one of one release for the Wu-Tang album, right? Like I think the, I think the Wu-Tang album sold, you know, for like $10 million or something to that, that crazy stock trading guy. And he's like the only one who has a copy of it. And I just think that's, you could even do this digitally now. So that's pretty neat. Okay. I'll, I'll stop nerding out. Diane, I'll pass it back to you if you have some questions for him. I've been going at it pretty hard for here the last 10 minutes. I'll let you pause and think about that some more. Cooper, I'm curious, where do you see this industry moving in the next, say, five or 10 years? Like in 10 years from now, where are artists going to be in terms of putting out their music, owning their music, connecting with their fans, accessing their data, all of these things? Yeah, the trend that I'm excited about is fractional ownership. You know, I think there's a lot of legal gray area to be solved here, but a world that I see is one in which artists can share the upside of their tracks directly with their fans. You know, if I'm someone who finds an artist really early on, there's not really a way for me to be able to signal that or even share in their upside at all. And what I'm excited for with crypto and fractionalized ownership is I can find an artist or a track really early on. I can contribute to that track in some way, shape or form. And then I have a smart contract that's issuing me royalties over the life cycle of the duration that I hold either those tokens or those rights. And so today, you know, those opportunities are really limited to sort of the powers that be, you know, access to those opportunities is not something the average fan would ever know about. But with these new crypto platforms, you know, I firmly believe we'll have a world where if you find a viral track on day one, you're able to sort of stake to that and capture in its upside without having to ask for permission or having to be deeply connected person in the music industry. Yeah. And so from a more practical standpoint, what is this going to mean for new and budding artists? So say you're a new artist and right now you're just on YouTube putting out some videos from your house and nobody really knows about you yet, but say you get discovered by a bunch of people, they can, you know, sort of contribute to to your fund and get that fractionalized ownership and help you grow. So is it going to be like in 10 years, is it going to be a situation where the artists that are big are people that are artists that people actually want to see get big? Is it almost like everybody's going to get a vote in terms of which artists they see, you know, on on the big stages? I'm really hopeful that governance will play a role in that in the long term. You know, I think that is somewhere that we're headed. I do think that some gatekeepers are really good. And what's more important here is just democratizing access to these opportunities. So, you know, when you have that artist in 10 years from now, that's starting from the ground up. If they on day one are sharing, you know, pieces of their project with their fans at inception, I think this is a really powerful flywheel in a world today where specific to crypto, you know, artists are coming in retroactively, they're doing NFTs, they're kind of tokenizing past work, but as a fan, you're not really capturing direct value from that. You know, you're owning a part of the experience and you're owning a collectible version of these songs, which is amazing. But in my opinion, that's like step one of this longer roadmap where if I'm a true fan in the middle of nowhere, but I find your your profile when you have 10 followers, you know, I should be able to really stake my reputation on you and um, theoretically be able to capture on your upside as you grow as an artist in the future. Got it. And then for the artists themselves, this just popped into mind. Say, say I buy an NFT from an artist for an exclusive track, and then I sell that to somebody. To I sell that to you because you're really into the artist as well. Will the artist get a cut of whatever I sell that to you to? And then you know, et cetera, et cetera. If you sell it to somebody else, will the artist get a cut every time there's a transaction made on their NFT? 
Yeah, this is one of the things that are so incredible about NFTs is this secondary sale dynamic where the creator is always getting a royalty on every transaction that happens from now through the end of history is so important, you know, and that artist can define that cut at inception. So they can say, hey, I want to get 10% on secondary sales. I want to get 50%. But just that premise of not having to worry and go to hound people down to get these payments, you know, this is programmed directly into either A, the platforms where these exchanges are happening or B, into the asset itself using a protocol like Zora. And so um, I've seen so much amazing response from artists where they'll do this primary drop and they'll make uh, a ton of money and be really happy. And then like six months later, they'll just have this residual income stream, whereas all these assets are being exchanged, they're just getting a cut every single time. And it's a really, really beautiful flywheel. That's awesome because that means artists don't have to have some kind of connection and get signed with a big label. Anybody can just independently go and produce music as long as what they're producing is good and it's what people want to hear. So what are some things that you can share that Audius is working on to launch in 2021 that are going to help us move towards this ultimate goal? Yeah. So like I said, Audius is a bedrock for all things Web3. Right now, NFTs are the hot conversation. Without sharing too much detail, I think we want to be able to participate in that in a way that feels friendly to new users. So NFTs are a very complicated topic. We recognize that. But what we have to our advantage is 2.5 million users who have an Ethereum wallet and they don't even know it. So on our end, why this is exciting is allowing artists to use their audience profile as a way to showcase their NFTs to show that they're active in this crypto conversation and giving them ways to sort of more broadly market these releases to a, an audience that really cares about it in a world today where musicians are trying to kind of cut through the noise and fight amongst every discipline of creator, you know, I think it's really important for vertical specific showcases and marketplaces to emerge. So just to recap here, and you can hit anything you think I missed, but it sounds like for new artists, having this type of platform is going to make it easier for them to get discovered because more people are going to have an ability to help them get discovered and participate in that. And then for older artists, it seems like it's going to be easier to monetize like your super fans because the people who really care about you, you could potentially issue know exclusive tokens with special access or nfts or what have you and so you'll be able to monetize the super fans so for older artists it's a way to continue making money maybe past the time where you're when you're in the charts but you're still very popular with a base that really cares about you you get a higher percentage of revenue from your creation you know you get 90 percent instead of one i'm a really big fan of that i think it's awful what we've been doing to the creative economy for the past 20 30 years uh, you have more ways to monetize in general and then you're just touching on the end, a lot more control. So if I was a summit, then I did an okay job there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. And I'd say like on the discovery side of things, I'm not going to pretend that people are going out of their way and making and breaking acts because they found them on Audius yet. But I do think that to your point about true fans, you know, the community that we've incubated so far and the support around creators that are taking crypto seriously, you know, if you want to be respected as someone that is actually giving crypto the time of day and trying to figure out how to incorporate that into your brand, you know, there's literally no better place to do that than getting started on Audius and using that as sort of the foundation for all of these amazing Web3 experiments that you want to try out. All right. Well, let's transition a little bit. I'm actually kind of curious about you more specifically. So what is your job as a crypto strategist? And I also see you on Twitter a lot of places. So how do you, how do you encapsulate uh, what you do? <laughs> yeah, it's a great question. So my job is to help the users of Audius who have never heard of crypto before understand what the hell is going on while at the same time, making sure people who trade shit coins every day respect and know that Audius is a platform that is catering to all of their deepest desires. And so I sort of sit right in the middle between this very deep educated crypto audience and this really, really new and green user base and want to play the role of like, this is why you should care about crypto. But at the same time, this is how we're designing it in such a way that when someone comes to, you know, really do their due diligence on this, they understand that we're thinking about it in a really thoughtful manner. 
what that looks like is obviously ensuring that our our brand and our presence is known in the Ethereum ecosystem. So you'll see us on a lot of podcasts like this and sort of different outlets that show that we're really deeply ingrained in the space. And then more specifically on a product level, when you see things like this new tiers feature that we rolled out or this airdrop that we did a couple of months ago, you know, those are all projects that I play a pretty big role in stewarding. Got it. And then I guess maybe on a more personal level, uh, what are some of the most recent projects you've been involved in? I'm actually kind of curious about, you know, the Beeple B20 token. Do you mind taking people through kind of what's going on out there for artists, like more broadly and specifically, I want to hear about Beeple B20. Yeah. So um, outside of Audius, I've been working with a ton of creators just to help them figure out what their Web3 strategy is. You know, today that takes the form of NFTs. In the past couple of months, it's been social tokens. So I work very closely with REC on his social token, uh, REC coin. And I also work closely with a community called FWB. That's like a culture crypto crossover community. Outside of that, you know, I want to try and stay up at all the trends that are happening. So you mentioned B20. And when the Beeple Everything drop happened, which is largely regarded as what kicked off this massive NFT wave, you know, there were these really rare and exciting pieces. One entity went out of their way to purchase the bulk majority of those. And they took them and they fractionalized ownership of them using a social token. And so, you know, B20 is the social token that represents these underlying Beeple Everyday collection pieces. That's kind of what gives it its like underlying value, quote unquote. But more specifically than that, you know, they went out of their way to launch this virtual world experience to kind of give it the platform and the showcase that it deserves. And I think kind of in light of what we're seeing with people today, having just sold his Nifty Gateway piece for $6.6 million on the secondary market, the Christie's auction that's going on right now, you know, he's really being held up on a pedestal as kind of like the pioneer in this movement and having to, finding a way to be able to participate in that from a very small level through a fractionalized token like this is actually really important, you know, in a world where most of his pieces now are kind of uh, six figures at minimum to be able to collect. Interesting. And then just to stay, step back for people at home. So Beeple, real quick, and I just looked him up online, but it sounds like he's just a, he's been in the community for a while, uh, graphic artist and videographer is, is an accurate description. And he's been just making artwork and various videos to go. And then he's been tying that into these NFTs, I guess, more recently. Yeah, and very statement specific, you know, the art that he creates is very much in in the moment, you know, it kind of encapsulates a lot of the trends that are happening in the real world. And sort of as someone who had a lot of success as an Instagram uh, designer who kind of had this prolific brand for the images he created, obviously, there's commission work on the side, but there's never a way for him to sort of directly monetize his work as people. And so NFTs became so important because he was able to take these really prolific creations he was making and offer them in a scarce way such that the creators and supporters of him could really rally around behind this. Yeah, I mean, it's been fantastic. I'll share here really quick. I have my uh, my Beeple NFT that I got. And I think that this is just kind of a testament to like, <laughs> you know, how cool and creative this space is. And this is, as someone who's collected Pokemon cards his whole life and stuff, like this uh, specific collectible was one of the coolest things I've ever owned, if not the coolest thing I've owned. And just goes to show that NFTs go much deeper than, you know, a bunch of random people collecting things on the internet. And so Beeple is mostly, so Beeple, mostly art, but you also mentioned another thing there that was pretty interesting, which was RAC or is it Rack? I don't know which way he goes, but you were also saying he had a social token, which is a little bit, a little bit different. So let's go back to that because I'm actually curious what that was, if you don't mind uh, helping us catch up here. Yeah. So RAC is an extremely well-versed musician, probably the most knowledgeable person when it comes to crypto that I know personally. You know, he's been doing NFT experiments for a long time. He did a drop on Zora called Tape, where he tokenized a limited edition cassette tape. And um, as these experiments kind of panned out, he, he started to recognize that his true fans and his community are like the most important thing about his project. You know, he's been growing a very strong following on Twitch. He has a Patreon channel that's been doing really well. 
but they were all very fragmented. You know, there was no way to sort of tie all these people together. And so we started to build this discord. And at that point, it became a question of like, what can we do to make these people more empowered, to give them a spirit, more spirit of ownership? And that's where this token came into play. So in partnership with Zora, he basically created an ERC-20 token called RAC. This allowed fans to basically hold it for more exclusive access in that community. And then also discounts on merchandise and um, some really cool stuff that we're working on in terms of creating like a Web3 fan club, where if you're a super user of his community, you can kind of access you know, NFTs and collectibles and all these really rare and exclusive things through this token as access. And then just for the, for the artists out there, compared to how much RAC is making on Spotify, you know, royalties, it's not even close, right? What he's, what he's able to do in the crypto community uh, and actually directly monetizing individuals, you know, direct artist to consumer. Yeah, and I think that's where the NFT stuff he's been doing has been really important because for him, you know, being able to monetize on the behalf of these exclusive works is really fitting for his brand. I treat the uh, social token as kind of more of like a community glue where when he starts touring again, being able to use this token as a way to attract fans to attend shows and whatnot, it's going to be really great. But I think it's important to recognize that social tokens, in my opinion, should not be treated as revenue. It's kind of like a community participation vehicle. And if you can find a way to like really engage and uh, energize your community, there will be ways to monetize on behalf of them that don't feel very speculative in nature, which is unfortunately what we see with a lot of tokens today. Yeah. Yeah. I guess what you're saying is if you can create a community where people are more engaged, then they're probably also more likely to show up to your concert, right? And they're also more likely to buy your merchandise or listen to your email or come and check out some new work that you may have released or something like that, or buy an NFT. Okay. Oh, great. I get it. <laughs> I think, I think I'm, I think I am fully, fully versed on the social token and, and the people phenomenon. Nice. Well, and so uh, another artist who's sort of following in the footsteps of RAC is Blau. He's actually dropping his his debut album, Ultraviolet, today. We're recording this on February 25th. You'll be listening to it a little bit later. But tell me a little bit more about that and what he's doing around that, including his Shopify store. And tell us about that. Yeah, so Blau was really forward thinking when it came to predicting this NFT wave that's happening today. You know, he's someone who was a really early user of Super, of Nifty Gateway, has been doing drops for, you know, close to two years at this point. And um, more recently, when he sort of noticed how awesome this NFT space was, I think he wanted to go a step beyond sort of the de facto standard of doing like a Nifty Gateway release. And so in partnership with Origin, he built this bespoke platform where fans can come and bid on limited versions of his, his last album, Ultraviolet. So every single on that record now has a limited edition cassette tape. You can purchase that as an NFT. And there's sort of this auction-like experience where, you know, those top, you know, collectors are able to have these deep relationships with him. For example, being able to collaborate on his next track, you know, being able to sort of go and hang out with him in Las Vegas, like do all these cool things that just sort of go above and beyond owning an NFT and kind of packaging that up in such a way that he could be really modular about its design because he built his own platform to be able to facilitate something like this. It's awesome. So there's obviously a lot of hype around NFTs right now. These artists are coming out doing these things. What is, but you know, beyond the hype, like what happens after this? Do you see this trend continuing to go on and on and on? This hype just like keeps getting bigger and bigger, or is this a, a something that we're going to get over and we're going to go back to real life? Like, where do you see this NFT hype going in the future? So NFTs are not going anywhere. What's going to change is the rate at which these NFTs are selling and the price points at which they're selling for. You know, right now where anyone can basically release any NFT and get like a couple ETH for it, you know, that's not going to stick around much longer, quite frankly. 
But what will exist is artists being able to use a digital medium to share collectibles with their fan base. And so what I'm looking forward to is a world in which there are $20 collectibles and there's 10,000 people buying them from a global act like BTS or something like that, which is kind of in, in parallel to something that we're seeing now, which is more niche specific, you know, one of one auctions and drops where it's like $10,000 to collect. You know, I think those worlds will coexist, but I think the major difference here is going to be it's going to be hard to sell an NFT. You know, I think today people are being rewarded for being able to use the technology. But in the future, and just based on the conversations I've been having, we're going to start seeing a market where supply is drastically outpacing demand. In the same way you need to, you know, market correctly to stand out in music, people are going to have to be really thoughtful about how they're releasing these NFTs so that there's actual demand to collect them in the first place. Got it. Got it. Makes sense. All right, Matt, any other questions before we dive into the next segment? No, I think I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to dig too much further. I already feel like we blasted you with like a hundred questions in less than thirty minutes. So I think we did pretty good here. I'm interested to see how you perform in our next section, though. We're gonna do. We're gonna go by. Diane's gonna roll through. Uh, explain your tweet, uh, and I'm gonna let her. I'm gonna let her run it since that's her show. Yeah. So this is just where I go through your Twitter account, pull out some tweets that are interesting or cryptic or funny, whatever the case, and give you a chance to explain it. And you're very active on Twitter and you, you have tons of great content. So I'm just going to pull out two or three today for the sake of time. But people definitely go follow Cooper. It's Koopa Troopa on Twitter and go uh, go read his content. It's really good. So first one, this is from... Just yesterday, you tweeted, music blogs are about to make a big comeback thanks to NFTs. Curation is key. So we talked, obviously, this whole podcast episode about music, but music blogs, we haven't really hit on. What do you mean by that? Yeah, so in 2013, when SoundCloud was popping off, the way that these songs went viral is when they got covered by these big outlets. So back in college, I used to write for a blog called This Song is Sick. This was an amazing music discovery tool. A lot of artists were being broken through that. There were remixes that were going to the top of the charts, and they kind of went through the cycle where you would get covered on this song is sick. You would get listed on something called Hype Machine. And based on that chart, you know, whoever placed at the top of it was kind of seen as like the best song of the week per se. What we're going to see with NFTs now is with all of these new musicians getting into the space, a lot of these blogs are going to start covering, you know, NFTs in a very dynamic way, similar to what that experience looked like with the music era uh, a couple of years back. And I think that for more of these retail oriented NFT drops, so ones that are meant to be more democratized and meant to be more like, fan-oriented, I, I know for a fact that a lot of blogs are looking into how to cover that and how to sort of give it a spotlight above and beyond what we're seeing today, which is very niche-focused. That is very cool. I look forward to seeing that too. All right, next tweet. This is from a couple of days ago. You tweeted, price is not an indicator of success. What was going on in your mind when you tweeted that? Yeah, so there's a lot of projects, especially today, where like there's tokens that will go up you know, 1,000% in 14 days and everyone will say that it is uh, the greatest thing in the world. You know, in my opinion, using the token price as the leading indicator to whether or not a token is valuable is really fundamentally broken. And I think that for a lot of people, you know, it's obvious to think because the token went up that they're doing cool and amazing things. But I would encourage everyone to take 10 minutes to look under the hood of whatever token's going up and see if there's actually something of value being created there, or if there's been a group of uh, community members that have a vested interest in seeing it go up in price. Got it. Got it. Okay. And then last tweet that I'll call out on this podcast, this is from a February 21st, you tweeted, continually impressed by the quality of Z NFTs released on Arzora. Turns out strong culture attracts extremely talented creators. Arzora, you mentioned that earlier in the podcast too. Can you, for listeners who aren't familiar with what that is, can you explain what that is and then what you meant by your tweet? Yeah, it's an open protocol for NFT creation. So kind of similar to Rarible today, you know, anyone can mint NFTs on the platform. The way that Zora rolled out is you have to have an invite from another creator to get on, similar to Clubhouse. You know, this is kind of prefacing this world in which anyone can freely mint on it. But 
I was kind of worried that with the lack of like curation from the team, you know, you see on Super Foundation and Nifty Gateway, there's like some uh, a gate that you need to go through to be able to release, and that you know maintains that there's really high quality on Rarible, which is a platform I love. Though you kind of seen this like long tail of assets that are quite frankly just really shit. But with Zora, I was really impressed by the fact that all of the creators that were on there were releasing all this amazing work. You know, they got an invite from one of their friends, but just sort of the culture behind it, you know, kind of forced people to have like this really high quality creation. And beyond sort of the visual experiences that we see on Foundation, people are playing clips of like them skateboarding or writing blog posts. They're kind of like doing these like blog type videos that just feel like really natural and, you know, personal. And I guess to me, like as someone who collects NFTs really actively, the culture around the NFTs I'm seeing on there is really unique and something that I've found a, a lot of pleasure out of collecting. Awesome. Give some give people something else to check out as well. Thank you so much, Cooper. This was great. I think, and not to speak for you, Matt, but I think both of us learned a lot and we've got a lot to think about from our conversation. So really appreciate you being here and sharing a little bit more about NFTs, especially in the music space with people. So before you go, just tell people where they can find you, if they want to connect with you personally, where they can learn more about Audius, and then what are some cool, just easy and interesting things that people can do on Audius right away, both for artists as well as for consumers? Yeah, so best place to follow me would be on Twitter at Koopa Troopa, Audius, we're at Audius Project, on Instagram at Audius. To get started with Audius today, I'd recommend just signing up. You can log in with an email and a password. You know, you have an Ethereum wallet, but no need to worry about key management, which is really exciting. You know, head over to our trending page. We have so many amazing artists that are doing like really incredible things. So I'd say get started there. And um, outside of that, you know, just st stick around and kind of keep an eye out for some of the resources I'm working on, because I really want to play an active role in helping to cover and help people understand the space. So I'm hoping that I can share some content that resonates with you. Appreciate awesome. It. Thanks so much, Cooper. This was great. Yeah. Thanks, yeah, Matt. Thank you guys. For being here as always. Thank you. Well, thanks. thanks listeners for tuning in. We'll be back again soon with another episode of the Unstoppable Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Unstoppable Podcast. If something I said today resonated with you, please rate, subscribe, download the podcast, and share this episode on social media with your network. This helps other people find us. And remember, the fun doesn't have to stop when the episode ends. We can continue the conversation on Twitter by tweeting your questions, thoughts, or ideas to me at Matthew E. Gould. We look forward to chatting with you, and thanks again for listening.